It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with me today. I had spoken uh, last week on the fantasies that people have uh, that often are manifested during Halloween. And Karina, who is my normal producer, and I were laughing about it, where I can literally tell you what someone's sexual proclivities are likely based on what their Halloween costumes are. So, and this started when I started looking at all of, and for those of you who may know, I'm one of the best-selling authors worldwide in the area of sexuality. And I look at the areas of how can we have things come forward for people to make them feel good about themselves and that they share the ideas of what other people have used. So I have a trade show that I go to, the Adult Novelty Manufacturers Expo, which is in essence a trade show for sex toys. And one of the areas that has expanded exponentially is the area of fantasy or fetish dress. They call it fetish, but in all actuality, true fetish, little FYI, here's the definition section for the show for today, a true fetish is that the shoe turns you on or the leather turns you on or, you know, something else turns you on. It's not the person wearing the shoe. It's not the person wearing the leather. It is that actual item. So that's a true fetish. So in all actuality, as one woman said who, who studies in the area of fetishism, she said, then we are a nation of fetishists because we have people who love their baseball cards, who love their golf clubs, who love these things, and those things get them all totally turned on and, you know, get them, you know, get them in hard. And she said, so obviously we are a nation of fetishists. Anyways, let's just wheel that back around to the Halloween conversation. When I look at the catalogs now as they come forward, we see the nurse outfit. We see the student outfit. We see the uh, vampire outfit. We see the guy who wants to be the pirate. We see the woman who wants to be the cop. We see the guy who wants to be the cop. And yet, in all actuality, when we go underneath these costumes, what I'm going to do for today's show is talk about what are the things that make you feel sexy? How can you manufacture that? How can you create that for yourself? And in some instances, it's like trying to create the it factor. You either have it or you do not have it. But what I really want people, to, I want this to be a thinking show where you think of 
the things, because the more you have the thought of wanting to create something, whether you call it law of attraction, whether you call it positive thinking, which I would not call it, but it is something that you are in charge of. Like, you know those times when you see two people, they both read the same thing. One person is feels totally great about it, and the other person feels totally, Ugh. well, that's the thought process. And your thoughts are things. They exist. They are energetic things. And so the more that you are thinking, or the more that you're focused on what makes you feel good, don't go to what makes you feel bad, okay? Erase that. <laughs> Forget it. But when you are looking at things that make you feel calmer, because right now there's a lot of things happening in this world, whether we, we talk about the financial markets, I mean, they're imploding. I mean, the U.S. is about to, it's already lost its so-called supremacy thanks to the petrodollar switching over, swift coats going bye-bye. And I think we have become a much more educated thanks to the Internet, a little bit of the Wild West. But here's the thing. We've got a lot of stressors in our lives. So when we're wanting to make ourselves feel good, feel sexy, feel desirable, and I'm going to talk about what I see are the major differences between those, and then I'm also going to talk about what are the differences between main areas where what makes women feel sexy, what makes men feel sexy, and then that counterpart to it, the desirability factor. Because many times, and then when women look at someone that they're interested in and what has that person be sexy or desirable for them. And one thing that often will surprise men is that for women who are mothers, one of the sexiest things that a man can be is a good, attentive father. And I didn't know that until a girlfriend of mine told me that. And I was like, seriously, she goes, there is nothing that is sexier than a man who is a good father. Why do we not talk about this? Hmm? I mean, we have so many things where we look on the Internet and all it's talking about is wear this, do that, blah, blah, blah. And yet the real underlying thing is the, the caring and the attention that goes towards taking care of their children. Hello? So, anyways, let's go back here and say, let me ask you these questions. And if you have a piece of paper, you can write some things down. You can do it in code so no one knows what you're doing. Um, or you can boo it on, you know, your, your iPad or your phone or whatever you'd like to do. What makes you feel sexy? And then when you ask that question, let's just wheedle it down a little bit. Now, is this sexy about your body? Because that's mainly, many people will think that. Is, are you sexy because of your hair? When you see people who have worn the same hairstyle for 25 years, you know they think that their hair is their sex appeal. Seriously. Um, is the thing that's sexy about you, your mind? You know, is it something that's been developed? Or do you think, in some instances for men, they may think what makes them sexy is the size of their wallet. Hmm. Well, you know, the same thing applies for women. And then we go, is that a desirability factor or is that a sexy factor? So let me ask you the questions of, is sexy for you on the inside of you? Is it how 
you feel about yourself? Is it a, a, a thought that you have about yourself? And for many women, they will tell you that the men who are the sexiest, who are the most, you know, deadly, are the men. They're not the men who are the braggadocio, who are the, hey, yeah, baby, ooh. I mean, that's just, come on, that's swarmy. But what they are is the men who have, and this is, you know, sexy on the inside, sexy in your mind, a confidence. Confidence is massively sexy. And it's also an attitude. And it's not a, uh, an overpowering thing of, I'm so much better than someone, or I have this above someone. It's not about the better than thing. It's more, this is who I am. They're comfortable in their own skin. They like themselves. So that can be a sexy on the inside. Or you think sexy for you is on the outside. Is it, you know, only what your body is? Is it that you are have tremendous sex appeal culturally that people will say, oh, you know, people have always found you appealing or they're attracted to you? Well, that could also be, because men have also told me that there's times when there are women that they knew in high school or college who weren't the best-looking women but who were absolutely magnetic. And, again, that is something that is on the inside of them. They may not have, you know, the so-called standard look, that you know, the standard of beauty. And if any of you have ever gone online, Facebook sometimes has these, and they show a woman with the cultural ideals of what beauty looks like depending on the country. And it's fascinating. So they ask people who do Photoshopping for magazines to Photoshop a particular woman, one the same woman, across, you know, like 15 different countries. And when you see it, it's not a bit of a wonder that it's a little confusing when people have the Miss World and the Miss Universe contest because the ideals of beauty are so varied. And if you're thinking that the only thing is what you look like, then, and by the way, that kind of has an expiry date. I think we all know that one. But if it's only the outside of you, then chances are there's still something inside of you that is developed or can be developed. But the, the other thing is, is sexy around you. Are you surrounded by a world that has sex appeal? Are you in something that is very high-driven? Are you in an area of high finance or something that has high-risk reward? Are you someone who has created a, uh, a career in, let's say, an entertainment area? And again, that's something that is outside of you, but it is around you. And I love the film... Uh, it's the film is Notting Hill, and what it talks about is she says, you know that same thing. It's not real, and that's for people I know who are celebrities. It's the same thing. They know that that is a manufactured thing 
outside of them that has a sex appeal. And we're going to be coming up to uh, our first break here. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about more of where would you find sexy about yourself? Is it inside of you? Is it outside of you? Is it around you? And here we go. We're going to come up to the tunes here. Then we're going to talk about the desirability and the differences between women and men. Please stay with me. We'll be right back with the desirability factors. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Not eating before you work out is not the best approach. Low blood sugar can make you feel weak, faint, or tired, and react slower because your mental abilities are affected. You may feel lightheaded or dizzy, but eating too much before your workout is not a good idea either. It can cause you to feel sluggish and have cramping and give you an upset stomach. It can cause your muscles and your digestive system to compete with each other for energy resources. It is best to eat large meals at least three to four hours before working out and small meals two to three hours before exercising. Go by how you feel. Eating a piece of fruit or drinking a sports drink right before you work out works well for many exercisers. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And if you have any questions for me, you can always send them to my uh, uh, email, which is office at loupaget.com, office at L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T.com. And the other thing is... If you have ideas of things you'd like me to talk about, please let me know because I'm more than willing to come up with, you know, to add ideas, to put things together. And the the questions that I often am asked spur me on to uh, create different shows. For example, this show is people will often say, how do I 
you know, how do I get my sexy on? How do I create more of this? And, you know, really the important thing about doing any of this is that you want to do it for yourself. If you're doing it only for someone else, it won't stick. It's like that. And, you know, when you do personal development work, oftentimes people are like, oh, yeah, I, I really want to do this. And, and they do it for two weeks. And then it eventually slides off and they go back to doing what they were doing before. Yet their intention initially was they really wanted to expand things. So that's why when I talk about what makes you feel sexy, you know, inside, outside, around you, um, then I also would ask, you know, the people, do they feel that sexy is on you? Is that your clothes? Is it your name? Is it what your job description is? Because for some people, you know, they may feel, uh, you know, an, an outfit may make them feel very sexy. Yet, or give them what they, for men, you know, uh, sex appeal. Yet, other times, and I have a degree in buying and merchandising from Fashion Institute in New York, and I can assure you, I think we have seen more people who actually end up being fashion victims than being fashion sexy or fashion really pulled together. The dress is wearing them. They're not wearing the dress. And... You know, I'm all for edge. I'm all for put yourself out there. But there's a certain thing that whenever you're buying clothes, if you're only buying them because it's that outfit, think again. Because you have to have the feeling of when you walk out of there, anyone can go, oh, okay, I could wear this. Sure, you could wear it. But how does it make you feel? Because how that thing makes you feel is what you're going to be projecting. I mean, it's fairly straightforward, yet for some people, they will, and I've watched, particularly women, wearing outfits that they are wearing for a partner, and I know they're not comfortable. They have more of their breasts showing than they want. They have more, you know, high, you know, thigh slit than they want, and yet they're doing it, but, you know, the look on their face is that they're not overly comfortable and he wants to show everybody the kind of body she's got but she's not that interested in it and then we have the reverse someone showing you know a lot of a different look that is not something they're comfortable with so sexy can be on you heck sexy could be you know a fabulous ring that you're wearing or it could be something that makes you feel highly desirable from your partner You know, they may have given you a piece of jewelry that when you wear it, it reminds you that they find you very appealing. That is sort of, you know, sexy, you know, addendum. But the real thing you want to know is what works for you. Not for everybody else, but for you. And then when I ask people if they're saying they want to ramp up something, I ask them, how do you create sexy? And then I ask them to use their five senses. Do you create this with visual? And then this is where we cross into the desirability and the sexy. So when I look at desirability, this is something 
that often has a broader appeal. It's more of who you and your personality are than just a description of you are very sexy. So I'll give you an example in the celebrity world. Most people are aware, and there's times when I watch this and I go, why did he do this? It's just, it's mean. But you will see a celebrity who might be really good looking. And then you'll, their partner, maybe someone who is not as good looking or, you know, is not in the same field as they are, has, comes from, you know, a very different background. And they're always doing these comparisons of, you know, celebrities, spouses who aren't as good looking. I, I do wish they'd stop. It's just, mean. I don't, I don't like these things. However, what I do look at is the desirability factor that this person who, you know, they may be very good looking, but they may not have, you know, what I would refer to as the social currencies, you know, the, the position, the money, the um, track record, the whatever it might be. Yet, the person who they are with gets them on a level that no one else does. And I use as an example, a friend of mine was telling me of a a woman who he knew, and she's, you know, one of the wealthiest women in the world. And her, she was walking into a hotel, and he said he saw her, and she had with her her husband. And her husband was shorter, not as good-looking, I mean, there was a number of things that he said, but he said, yet this man got her in a way that the rest of the world did not. And that is highly, highly desirable and attractive, which is why in the celebrity world thing, you will see someone who is a top model marrying someone who has a huge career in finance. They, you know, or someone who is very wealthy in one area and someone who's wealthy in another area. Then the money isn't the issue. But what is the thing that makes the connection is that they get one another. And I don't care how many times you try and be around someone. If you want to listen to songs that will tell you really about desirability and love and sexiness, pay attention to country and western songs because they really tell the truth. They tell you, you know, I cannot make my heart fall in love with you. Um, They will basically go down the thing of you can be as desirable as you want, but you can't make someone fall in love with you. What you can do by your behavior is make yourself more desirable. But again, that desirability of creating and making yourself and and what is, you know, what makes you desirable is usually and invariably your behavior. So it has to be honest behavior because if you are only on best behavior, and you don't let any warts or anything like that show, eventually they will come out. And if the only reason someone's with you is because of a certain form of behavior, but that isn't 100% who you are, things are likely 
you know, the, the desirability factor will go off. So what would be the difference between what a, okay, let me just go down here. How do you create sexy and desirable? And I'm going to go down through these. I'm just going to jump back in a moment to sexy and desirable. But you can create both of these in any way that any of your senses work. And then the other sense you have to always take into consideration is your memory. Because memories and histories that you create are also one of the ways that you maintain desirability, that you maintain sexy. So is it your visual? Is it auditory? Is it something you hear? Is it things you taste? Is it the way you taste things? Is it a, a, a meal you might create? Is it a touch that makes you highly desirable? Is it a smell? And I'm going to cover those in uh, a little more depth because your sense of smell is truly your longest term and most accurate memory. Your sense of smell is the one that can be triggered the most quickly. You may not exactly remember the name of that, you know, perfume or, you know, that scent, but you remember having smelt it. And also, your sense of smell is something that by your diet, you can enhance it. And for many women, what they have said is, I don't know what it was, but it was something about how he smelled. And I just, uh, you know, when he would leave, I would just snuggle into his pillow because they wanted to maintain that scent. Um, I have uh, friends of mine who have spoken of they don't want to wash a particular thing because they still has their, their husband died and it still has his scent on it, and that was that memory and holding that is very near and dear to them. So we're coming up in about 90 seconds to our second break, but what I also want to talk about just before we get to the break here is, oops, no, we're coming up to one minute, woohoo, a little faster than I thought. When we talk about the difference between sexy and desirable, this has to be your definition, okay? It can be that being desirable, and that's when you look at the Halloween costumes, because a lot of them are structured on how can I be so desirable for women that no one can resist me, and for men, it's how can I be so desirable and do things that, you know, will cause, you know, someone to, you know, want to get into bed with me. So these things are, again, they're your definitions. They're not mine, but when we come back, I'm going to talk about the things that other people have told me they do to create sexy and desirable with the five senses and the differences between women and men. Be right back after these tunes. This is 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. To start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She's a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc., and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to Weight Watchers, people who are overweight or obese are 60 to 90% more likely to develop type 2 diabetes as those who are not. Weight matters, and what you eat is vital to your outcome. The facts show that 35% of Americans, which is roughly 79 million over the age of 20, have pre-diabetic blood sugar levels. If you are at risk of acquiring type 2 diabetes, you need to make changes in your diet and exercise. They report that losing weight, stepping up your physical activity, and eating a well-balanced diet are all critical to staving off or controlling diabetes. Diabetes is not something you want to mess around with. Keep your health and exercise a priority in your life and keep diabetes away. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear more fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And again, any questions you have, you can... Uh, get a hold of me at office at loupadget.com. I'm also occasionally on Facebook and uh, Twitter, but not overly often. Now, here's the other thing. When I talk about the difference between desirability and sexy, really a lot of the things I'm going to be sharing with you come from, a number of them, come from my fourth book, The Great Lover Playbook. And it is 365 sexual techniques tips and techniques to keep the fires burning all year long. And the genesis of this book was because people asked me, you know, what are the things that other people do? What are the, you know, things that they tried that kept things connected? Because when we're talking about sexy and desirable, this is often something that in the very beginning is an easy thing to maintain. You know, first, you know, times when you're out with someone and it's like, oh, yeah. And then there comes the, 
okay, we're in the real world now, we have jobs, we're working, we're doing whatever it may be, and how do you maintain it then? So this book, people said, people must tell you everything, and I was like, mm, yeah, they do. <laughs> they tell me just about everything. So these are the best, and the reasons they tell me is I'm not a therapist. I'm an educator. I'm a certified sex educator. So for me, what I look at are the things that other people had work. And like in anything, you know, if you are someone who you are, you know, a mechanic uh, or you are, you know, dealing with software, whatever your area of expertise may be, you know when you're listening to someone who is actually telling you the truth or who just made it up, right? So I know when I'm listening to someone talk about in the area of sexuality or in the area of relationships, I know when it's like, oh, excuse me, do you really think we're going to buy that? I was born but not last night. And this is the area where the ideas, the Great Lover Playbook is a compilation of the best attitudes, behaviors, techniques, fantasies, ideas, and things that people have used that kept their relationship connected. And one of the big things that couples have said maintains the sexy and the desirable is, let's be honest, taking care of your body. I know this should be a common sense thing, but I have to tell you, sometimes in the area of relationships and sexuality, people get on a slippery slope and they kind of let things go. You know, it's like that, you know, when you're in college and people put on, you know, the the freshman 10 pounds or whatever it is because they're all of a sudden eating, you know, absolute crap and garbage instead of, you know, or they're away from their home environment and the only thing they remember how to do is eat. You know, no, they call it the freshman 20, I think. Anyway, the thing that the desirability factor and the sexy factor, I talked about this. It's on the inside of you. So, and, and the memory thing. So let's just go down this list of what is the difference between what might be desirable for women and what might be desirable for men. And again, these are fairly generalized statements, yet they cover, it's, so it's, a, it's a, a, a long continuum, but I'm talking about what healthy people, healthy women and men find desirable. We're not talking about needy, clingy, okay? We're going to leave needy and clingy over on the other side because that is an area, there's something else that needs to be taken care of. You can't have someone else fill up the black hole of your neediness. That's all up to you, okay? Very simple. So if someone comes to me and they need job therapy, I send them to a therapist. I can give them ideas that they can use, but I'm not there to do therapy. I'm there to give them ideas, and they go out the door, boom, fabulous. So what might have a woman find someone desirable? First off, they're honest, and they do what they say they're going to do. Women and elephants are the two things in this world who have amazing memories. So if someone says they're going to do something and they don't do it, it's women go like this, okay. Or if they find out that someone has lied, it's like, okay, I don't think that's the best thing for me. That's just not, I'm not interested in being around that. Because we pay attention to the details of things 
But we also, if we're going to be involved with someone, and this is about your, you know, this is a woman with her female friends as well. It's like for a good percentage of women, being around something that is dishonest just makes them feel not good, period. So if they end up getting married and having someone who fools around on them, there's a reason why often these women get sick. They may stay in the relationship because of children, but it makes them sick, genuinely sick. So that would be a thing. And I, I think that for the majority of men, they want the same thing with the honesty, and but they also want someone who has their back. Now, what I've said about men um, is that they want a woman or they want a partner that the other people in the room want to be with and get also someone they are proud to be seen with. So if we're talking about straight relationships, they want a woman who is uh, good-looking or has a high status or has something that is the other men in the room would want. So this rules out the the dress cut up to here, the boobs on a platter, that, I mean, they may want to be with that person for 24 hours or 12 hours or two hours, but they don't want to bring that, you know, that person is not someone they're proud to introduce to their family. So they're proud to be seen with and that the other people in the room want to be with. For women, it's a similar thing, but it's also someone that they can see more likely a future with, someone that is okay, where is this going with this person? Now, if the only thing that someone, you know, is attracted to is because of the size of someone's wallet, that's perfectly okay. But you just have to understand the wallet is the thing that is the determining factor in a lot of the decisions. So it's really a, a very lopsided um, power exchange. There really isn't a lot of power exchange. Sometimes people say they traded this look in order to get that. Okay, fine. Then that makes someone desirable here, and then this person sexy over here. But the thing about things that are outside of you is that they have they have expiry days, or they change, or they morph into something else. So going back to the, one of the comments I made at the beginning, you know, I, t- I talked about this just before the break that there's memories and, and the things that you create with someone. So someone who takes very good care of their family or someone who takes very good care of their children. I mean, one friend of, you know, someone had said to one of my sisters, you know, it's really nice when someone does something nice for me. I, you know, that's a nice thing. But he said, when someone does something nice and takes care of one of my kids, he said, I I literally, I fall in love with them. And, so that's the thing of when you do something for the person, one of the things are something that they love. So that's that question of you may want to create sexy with visual or desirable with visual. You may want to create it in auditory ways, playing certain music or having a way that you speak. Uh, if you have a voice that you would like to change the tone of, or how you speak, or what your diction is, that could be highly desirable for some people because they fall in love with or they are highly, you know, connected or attracted to how someone speaks. 
which is an indicator of how they were raised or their schooling or something. And that may be something that is highly desirable. Taste, let's go to that thing. It may be how someone actually tastes to someone, which, by the way, you can totally change your taste for a partner by what you eat. So if you're someone who likes a lot of spicy food, make sure the other person eats the spicy food because particularly relative to oral sex, if someone's eating spicy and the other person isn't, might not be a matchup. The other thing is it changes your body scent. Some people, if they eat garlic, their body scent changes dramatically. So the taste also is how do you taste your food? How do you enjoy food? Desirability is also if you or how you create something for someone and how they enjoy it. Because for many times, the creating of food is something that is, most people will not be intimate or sexual with someone they will not eat with. Little FYI. So how you taste, there's always, you know, the, the, the so-called seduction meal, right? And oftentimes, um, I hate to say it, but many times men have kind of like one seduction meal that they've learned how to make really well. And anytime that a girlfriend meets the other girlfriend, they'll go like this, oh, did you get the seduction meal too? <laughs> oh, well, that happens. So also, when we come back, we're going to be coming up to the uh, final break here, we're going to talk about touch and smell. And you have more things that you can create with a sense of smell and with um, in your environment, by what you might be wearing, but here's the thing. It has to be really, really good quality. Now, you know those times you, and the same thing with touch. You have to have good touch. If you have touch that just feels like, oh, it's robotic, who cares? It, that doesn't feel like you're being cared for. Touch can be something as sexy and as desirable as walking by and touching someone's shoulder. And that's one of the ideas that someone in, you know, my book, The Great Lover Playbook, they said, when he walks by and squeezes my shoulder, you know, it, this man said, I, he said, that says more I love you than if he got me, you know, cards and all kinds of other things. That touch was, that's the thing that just spoke volumes, unspoken but given directly. So we're coming up to the final break here. When we come back, I'm going to give you some tips on how to change scent and how to use essential oils to affect the of your life. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Welcome to TogiNet, radio with a cutting edge. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Weight Watchers Magazine reports that 49% of Americans start their day by eating cereal. Choosing the right cereal is important. Be sure that the cereal you choose is whole grain. Studies have proven that whole grain cereals can help you lose weight. The first ingredient on the box should be whole wheat, oats, brown rice, or rye. 
Be mindful that if your cereal has fruit in it, that it is real dried fruit and not fake fruit. Fiber is an important element, and cereals should contain 5 or more grams. Also check out the sugar content. Since 4 grams is equal to 2 teaspoons of sugar, choose a cereal that has 8 grams or less. Select a good cereal to start your day on the right track. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Here we are. We're back. Uh... When I um, said before the break I was going to come back and talk about touch and smell, and here's the thing that you have to be aware of is that when, you know, if you're aware that on a desirability and on a sexy scale that your energy extends past your body about seven feet, which is why when you walk into a room, you are, you can sense something. You may not see it. You may not hear it, but your body senses it. And the more tuned you are with your body, the more you're going to be aware of it. So when you are around someone that is magnetic for you and you're sort of like, you don't know why, but you're drawn to that person, your sense of touch and your body awareness is something you know, this is not the person who goes over and, you know, throws themselves all over someone. Although, you know, some people may think that's great. The majority of people will be like this, really? You know, how great too? Um, even if that. But the real thing that works is having the awareness that you can extend your own invisible touch to someone else. And that is, again, let's go back to this. That's your, you know, is your sexy in your mind? Is it your thought? Is it, you know, that feeling of you walk somewhere and you don't know why, but you turn around and you go, someone's looking at me. And sure enough, they are. That is your, whether you call it your pineal gland or your sixth sense or whatever it is. Yet, we all have it. And when we work it, when we're talking about wanting to be desirable and sexy, this is one of the better unspoken ways to attract, bring in your partner. You can do that with that thing of the look across the room. No one needs to know anything. You just gave that look and they know it. So the, you know, the, the visual, the, the just here's another thing. If you are going to um, be around someone who's new and you wish to, this is, you know, whether it's for women or for men, the one thing that you can do that will often have someone pay much more attention to you is something that you can easily whisper in their ear. First off, what that creates is 
something that's just between the two of you. And it's also your warm breath on their ear, particularly if this is a man. And here's why. For the majority of men, their ears are highly sensitive, particularly on the inside. So if you are, um, and that's why for some men, a tongue in the ear is a direct beeline to a tremendous erection. For others, it's, you know, for most women, it's kind of like, please don't do that. It makes me feel like my head's in a dishwasher. But again, that's that thing of what someone likes is their touch they will often do to their other partner. But you must make sure that the person likes it. But for men, when you do that, it often is something that has their entire body pay attention. Now, let's go back. So that's the, some of the touch techniques. And before I go into the smell area, the other thing that makes such a huge difference in the desirability and sexy factor is how are you paying attention to them, okay? Because your attention, what you are giving forward, is as, as important as what you're doing on the inside work. So, for example, if, you know, someone comes in the door and, you t- and don't expect them to read your mind, okay? Because many people do psychic sex and psychic relationships, thinking the person is supposed to read their mind and figure out what they're actually thinking. Don't do that. Just tell them what you're thinking much easier, much easier, and and there's no confusion. So you can say, you know, let's say you're in a relationship and you, the person may get home after you later, and you can do something as simple as lighting a corner of the room, turning on music, just turn on the screen and, you know, put on YouTube and put on some light jazz, but put something so that when they walk in the door, it's a welcoming environment. And that is something that increases desirability created by you for them. And then what you can tell them is, listen, I wanted to make sure that when you walked in the door, it felt nice. Now, whenever you do something for someone and they know you've been thinking of this for them, highly desirable. Now, it doesn't have to be a grand gesture, but it can be something very simple. I wanted to make sure that I got you that non-fluoridated toothpaste so that you're not putting that neurotoxin in your body. And which anyone, if you're listening, fluoride, big baddie. You do not want fluoride around you. You do not want fluoride in your house. It is a neurotoxin designed to dumb you down. And as one of the heads of a cancer institute said, there is nothing that has probably caused more cancers or hastened the advancement of cancer than fluoride. Nice. Mm-hmm. So anyways, let's go to, on the happy scale, smell. Your sense of smell is one of your most powerful and long-term memories. Now, if you are using forms of something scented that's in your household, one of the things I want you to look at is... Do not use those incredibly crappy, um, manufactured, faco faco smells. Not only are they carcinogenic, meaning they cause cancer, but they will can they can make you ill. So those plug-in Glade air fresheners or those faco candles, and you know, for anyone who has smelled them and who is sensitive. You're just, it's like when you walk into a, uh, elevator 
and someone's been wearing cheap, bad perfume, it's like, ew, are you kidding me? It's the same thing as someone who overdoes it with perfume. The reason that things are more expensive is they invariably have higher quality ingredients in them. So when I talk about essential oils being used, I'm talking about therapeutic essential oils. I'm talking about that they have been harvested and the distillation process has been done properly because the majority of oils, so-called essential oils, which you will go, if you go into even whole foods, they're garbage. You just, if you sent them, you go, and you know, you know, once you sensitize yourself, I've started working with a certain essential oil company and they're absolutely marvelous. And, you know, you can use them in, in any, you know, area of your life for, for cleansing, for cleaning, for food, uh, to create mood. And the reason that aromatherapy and psychoaromatherapy works so effectively and efficiently is that the, the nerves, the olfactory epithelium, that's the tissue, you know, the mucosal tissue that's in your nose, contains some 20 million nerve endings. So this is something, using these can increase your own mood for desirability and the environment that you're in. So what they do is that the odor is transmuted into a nerve message, which is amplified by the olfactory bulb, and then it then passes along the olfactory tract and it enters the limbic system. Now, here's the thing about the um, olfactory bulb. It is literally almost like a great big, huge, long nerve going right into the area of your brain that is going to be impacted. So if you're wanting to increase your sexy factor and you're going out in the evening, put on, and I'm talking therapeutic essential oils, therapeutic grade, put on a dot of jasmine, ylang-ylang, clary sage, patchouli, and what these do is sort of it's, it's emotional, it, it relieves emotional coldness, it, you know, can uh, ameliorate shyness or, or actually they're saying here, you know, impotence. I'm not so sure about that, but it may very well. But what it does, the area of the neurochemical that gets secreted and the part of the brain that's triggered by the essential oil is the pituitary. So the thing, the neurochemicals that are secreted are the endorphins. And so what happens is you are, you know, you are stimulating an area of your brain that will then, it, it can induce, you know, uh, euphoria, sexual feelings. And then this was between the, the pituitary, it then impacts the other endocrine glands in your body, including the thyroid, adrenals, and the sexual glands. So these are things that, you know, if you want to have increase your, you know, seduction powers while going out, don't go and buy a crappy perfume or the ones that they may say, put this in your perfume and, you know, you'll enhance your attractiveness factor. By the way, Paris Hilton's perfume had this product in it. 
in order to enhance the desirability factor of people who were wearing it. So your ability to be, you know, make yourself feel sexy and make yourself feel desirable is on so many different areas. It's inside you. It's outside you. It can be around you. You can create it with any type of music that you want. It can be created by what you're reading. And it's so much of it is created attitudinally inside of you. And the happier you are and the more you like yourself, the more that's going to be coming off for anyone who is around you. And that can be, you know, we've all seen the people that they walk into a room and people just want to be around them. Again, that is their desirability. It may be that they're famous. It may be something else. Yet for many famous people, they don't want to have a lot of people around them. They would just assume people kind of like leave them alone. But you've got, remember this, your ability to create this is really governed by your attitude. And it's governed by how you pay attention to yourself and to other people. And you can be so sexy just by being kind to someone that that's the thing that has people find you magnetic. Now, sexy doesn't necessarily have to translate into sex at all. It can just be flirtatious, I find you desirable, or, or ooh-hoo, you're, you're, you, know, you don't care that you know, you've got it, you're just glad you do. So take care of yourselves, whatever it is you want to do for Halloween, make sure it's a fun factor thing, and always be kind to yourself. I love Ellen DeGeneres' comment. you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 